from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 30. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck, and I will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. But they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Shalom. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, this morning we are resuming our study of the prophet Isaiah, and we are going to be looking at chapter 14, which is really just a continuation of chapter 13. Now, 13 deal with the burden of Babylon. So last week we read a lot from Revelation. We talked about Babylon, and we're going to be doing that a little bit more again today. Now, chapter 14 kind of deals with Israel being restored, but bigger than that, really the Babylonian future kingdom being destroyed, and really it kind of foreshadows the the kingdom of Messiah. Uh, and then it also gives us some detail about Satan and how he is the prince of this world. And some more details about the judgment of Babylon. And obviously it's debatable about timing and, and all of those things. Uh, but I just, I think the book of Isaiah is speaking loudly to us today. As is the book of Revelation and really so many of the prophecies as we watch the world unite in its descent into chaos. One of the things that's, that comes up a lot, or I feel like is jumping out to me a lot, is, and we'll read it from Jeremiah, we'll read it from the book of Revelation, and we're going to read it from the book of Isaiah, is this idea of captivity. And, you know, the book of Revelation warns that those who lead into captivity will go into captivity. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Or actually, we'll just talk about it right now real quick before we get into it. Um, according to many studies, it's estimated that there are more slaves in the world today than at any time in human history. <laughs> It's just greatly ignored and greatly unspoken of. And we're not just talking about, I mean, we're talking legit labor-forced slaves for no pay. And, of course, the one of the greatest crimes in humanity today is uh, the sex slave trade and sexual slavery and small children being forced into sexual slavery while young boys and men are being forced into forced labor in construction and manufacturing and even fishing and other industries, mining, so that we can have our fancy cell phones and things of that nature. Somewhere between 
some reports are saying 30 million, some are saying 40, some are saying upwards of 50 million slaves in the world today. Uh, it's it that, that you go down that rabbit hole, it's going to be shocking. Especially when you go down the rabbit hole about the the sex slave trade and how many young girls and boys are being picked up off the streets every day in America, much less around the world, and forced into these situations. And I think that's why every one of these prophecies, whether we're looking at it in Zechariah or Jeremiah or Isaiah or the book of Revelation, mentions this judgment on those who led those who led people into captivity or were captors themselves and how they will become the captives. Well maybe before we get in well actually let's just start with let's just start with Isaiah chapter fourteen and then we're gonna stop after like a couple of verses here and examine some other verses from Revelation from Jeremiah to get the full picture here. So let's begin. Um, I'm actually going to, just to set the context, I'm going to read the last few verses from chapter 13 from last week again, and then we'll dig right in. So starting with verse 17 from chapter 13. And behold, I will stir up the meads against them, which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb, and their eyes shall not spare children. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. And the wild beasts of the island shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant places, and her time is near to come, and her day shall not be prolonged. So that's the end of chapter 13, kind of talking about this destruction of Babylon, and then we move into 14 here. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob, and will yet choose Israel, and set them in their own land, and the strangers shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob, and the people shall take them and bring them to their place, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids, and they shall take them captives whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. So please note, it's prophesying that they will take captives of them that were the captive, that took them captives. So the roles are going to be reversed. So when this Babylonian kingdom is judged, and the leader, uh, some would, some call it the Antichrist. When when that whole thing is cast into the lake of fire, and all of that is reversed, there's going to be rejoicing over the destruction of Babylon. 
as we're going to see here in a minute. And those who took captives will become captives. Let's look at this in some other areas. If we go to the book of Revelation, let's go to chapter 13. We'll just read a few verses till we get to that verse. And I stood upon the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? Please note, just a quick side note, one of the main things that I see ramping up here in the West, alongside paganism and all this, is the actual open worship of Satan. It's not hard for me to imagine a world now where they will worship, where the people of the world will worship the dragon, who represents Satan, and the beast whom is given power by the dragon. Verse 5, And it was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue for forty and two months. And he opened up his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. Notice he rules the entire world. He's given power over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Verse 8, And they that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Here's the verse. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. The Bible is pointing out that there is going to be a problem when it comes to this, and if you're participating in it, and I'm assuming it's going to get much, much worse, then there's going to be a specific judgment for that. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. The scriptures are saying this... Be patient. Keep the faith. This is going to be dealt with at some point. So it's going to get bad. It's going to be hard to fathom that God is in control and that he's even for us. This is the patience and the faith of the saints. So now, we go to the book of Jeremiah. I know I'm reading a lot this morning. So just open up your hearts and I pray that the word of God would speak to you. Here's from Jeremiah. I believe dealing with the same time frame. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel, concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. 
Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child? Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass, in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck, and I will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him, but they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up to them. Therefore fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel. For lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity, and Jacob shall return, and shall be unrest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, though I make a full end of all nations, whether I have scattered thee, yet I will not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure, and I will not leave thee altogether unpunished. For thus saith the Lord, thy bruise is uncurable, and thy wound is grievous. By the way, that's how I feel about modern-day society. And the country I live in, and just the condition of the world, thy bruise is uncurable, and thy wound is grievous. Verse 13, this is chapter 30, by the way, from the book of Jeremiah. There is none to plead thy cause, that thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. All thy lovers have forgotten thee, they seek thee not. For I have wounded thee with the wound of an enemy and chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of thy iniquity, because thy sins were increased. Why criest thou for thy affliction? Thy sorrow is uncurable. For the multitude of thine iniquity, because thy sins were increased, I have done these things unto thee. Therefore, all prey that devour thee shall be devoured, and all thine adversaries, every one of them shall go into captivity, and they that spoil thee shall be spoiled, and all that prey upon thee I will give for a prey. It goes on and on about the, the word captivity is used so many times just in this chapter. And so I just wanted to bring that up because it's something that it's uh, I've just been thinking about. And it's like, why is the Bible spend so much time talking about this? It's because it's going to be a real issue in the last days and is a real issue in our day. All right, let's continue on. We haven't actually gotten very far in chapter 14, but there's only 30 verses or 32 verses. So let's continue uh, starting with verse 3 here. And it shall come to pass, in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrows, and from thy fear, and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve, that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon, and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath will continue with a continual stroke. He that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted, and none hindereth. So please note there's this celebration over the destruction of Babylon, which should sound sounds 
very, very familiar because we see that in the book of Revelation more than once. But in Revelation chapter 18, verse 20, what does it say? Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you the holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. So the world mourns Babylon's fall, right? says, the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. But in heaven, it says, but in heaven they're going to be rejoicing over her, O heaven. O heaven and you, holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. So it's, it's a similar thing here. Book of Isaiah. They shall take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say how the oppressor has ceased and the golden city has ceased. Many commentaries believe this is talking about when the uh, this leader of the world is finally brought down. Verse 7 through 11 here is a continuation of that thought and a rejoice over the joy of the new kingdom. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since thou art laid down, no feller has come up against us. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations, and they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as us? Weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy voils. The worm is spread under thee, under thee and the worms cover thee. So it goes from the destruction of the king of Babylon, the king of Babylon, and rejoicing in the kingdom of heaven. And then the scriptures completely change direction for a few verses and just talk about this being who's ruling the nations. Verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning, how thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will descend into heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that did, that made the earth to tremble and did shake the kingdoms? People are going to be shocked when they see this person, when they see this being. They're going to be like, this is, the, this is the one that did this, that has done all this evil for all these hundreds or thousands of years. Verse 17, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. 
Then it switches back to more judgment of Babylon. Verse 18, all the kings and nations, even all of them, lie in glory, every one in his own house. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit, as a carcass trodden underfoot. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. Prepare slaughter for his children for the iniquity of their fathers, they that do not rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. For I will raise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and son and nephew, saith the Lord. And I will make it a possession for the bittern and the pools of water, and I will sweep it with the besom of destruction, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And I have purpose, so shall it stand. I will break the Assyrian army in my land, and upon the mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth, and this is the hand that stretches out upon all nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? And the year that King Ahaz died was this burden. So now it comes back to the the word for the people of Isaiah's day because this was obviously written to them so it's it's one of those things that had a then purpose just like it has a now purpose and the year that King Ahaz died was this burden rejoice not thou whole Palestinia Palestinia because the rod of him that smote thee is broken, and out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. And the firstborn of the poor, poor shall feed, and the needy shall lie down in safety, and I will kill thy root with famine, and he shall slay thy remnant. Howl, O gate, cry, O city, O thou Palestinia, art dissolved. For there shall come from the north a smoke, and none shall be alone in his appointed times. What shall one then answer the messengers of the nation? That the Lord hath founded Zion, and the poor of his people shall thrust in it. And that, my friends, is Isaiah chapter 14. And again, prophecy is difficult. And like I've always said, it's meant to be understood in hindsight. That's why I get so upset, or not so upset, but just irritated when I see people just try to act like they are modern-day prophets hearing directly from God and they know exactly how this is all going to play out. Even the prophets, even Isaiah didn't understand exactly what he was seeing. Daniel didn't understand exactly what he's seeing. So be careful about being arrogant. 
we have a we see through a glass dimly and we just do the best that we can but when these things start to develop you'll recognize them you'll see them and I think we're living in a time where it's really ripe for all of this well that's all I have for you this morning friends I pray you've been blessed by this study thank you for listening peace and grace be with all of you and until next time God bless.